Hello, everyone. I'm Dominique. And I'm Christina. And we are the Connected in Glass podcast. Every week, we will feature interviews with glass artists who speak to their creative processes and overcoming challenges. These conversations are real and raw. We hope that by sharing these stories, you're able to find some connection and know that you're not alone. We just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. We're super passionate about this project and work for hours every week to bring you this content. So if you'd like to help support us, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash connected in glass. Also, please consider joining our Facebook group, Connected in Glass Community, where we continue the conversations from these episodes. We'd love to hear from you. This episode of Connected in Glass is sponsored by Diddy Clips. Diddy Clips has changed the way we film our glassblowing videos, and we're proud to be working with them. Today, we're interviewing Sibel Yuksek. She's a glass artist based in LA who's been working with glass since 2012. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is really fun. I'm excited to talk to you guys. All right. We're so excited to get to know you. So first, let's just skip the glass part of your life for a minute. You want to tell us a little bit about where you live, what you enjoy besides glass, and then get us into the story on how you started working with glass. All right. All right. So currently I'm based in downtown LA in little Tokyo area. I work from my home. So I have my studio built in and it's actually a really wonderful setup that I have here. I, besides glasswork, I really enjoy just being active. So I do like I have a strong yoga practice and I just like to work out a lot and ride my bike and I have a dog who I love to play with and I mean I have tons of different interests like you know the possibilities are endless like if it if it has something to do with learning a new skill or being physical like I'll probably be interested like I enjoy jujitsu or rock climbing or you know just going to the beach so things like that. Cool. And um, tell us about how you started yeah. working with glass. So, okay. I actually was on a different path when I went to art school. Like I grew up really interested in Japanese comic books. So manga. And I would draw all the time. That was my main interest. And I intended on going to school to get into perhaps like fashion illustration or editorial illustration. So the program I was in was communication arts and that was at VCU. And so during my time there, they required us to take a class that was outside of our major. So for summer class, I decided to take like a glass casting 101. And as soon as I started working with the material I was like this is crazy like glass is so unique like the properties of it are totally not what I expected and I didn't even realize people could make careers you know doing glass work and my interest just developed from there it became sort of like an addiction like I needed to know more about it and so I ended up making it my second major and from there I just continued to work with glass like any way I could 
And so first you started with casting and now you're mostly like primarily a flame worker, right? How did you shift from one way of working with glass to the other? Oh man, that is like such a financial question. (laughs) So I was really interested in casting. I focused on that for the first couple of years. I, I assisted my my I guess she was my first mentor Sayaka Suzuki and she really really pushed me and I if it wasn't for her I wouldn't have worked as hard as I did when I was discovering glass and but when I graduated I needed to get my own studio and I thought okay I can't afford a kiln they're like thousands of dollars and then casting and the whole process is just so expensive so my and I had taken some flame working classes in school but you know, I wasn't particularly interested in it at the time, but my uncle gave me his welding torch and he was like, hey, you can melt glass with this, right? And I was like, yes. And so he just gave me his welding torch and I just set it up at my friend's studio. And then, yeah, I was just melting glass and making jewelry just because that was what was accessible to me. So flame working ended up taking a dominant role in my life because of just how I could work with it without much of a budget. And did you find your voice in glass right away or has it been a little bit of a process or has it been like a bit of an evolution perhaps? Oh yes. Always, always. There's, it's a never ending evolution. When I transitioned from, you know, working mainly two dimensional into three dimensional the compositions that I learned, you know, on a paper translated to the compositions in 3D. And I think that was very beneficial for me, like working through my ideas. And, you know, I've always been very figurative. And so when I was doing the casting work, I would sculpt like birds and objects that you could recognize and associate with. And you know, when I got into flame working, I started to become a little bit more abstract and, you know, because I really couldn't articulate exactly what I wanted to do at the beginning. You know, flame working, it takes so long to grasp the process and to be able to like do exactly what you want from the beginning. So I was just making like abstract sculptures that I could put on people or like bodies. And I've always been interested in the body. So I've tried to keep it in my work, whether it was like, you know, adorning the body or, you know, now it's like sculpting the body. But yeah, over, over time, as I learned how to be proficient in flame working, I was then able to like come back to my original interests in, you know, what I used to draw and now I can sculpt those objects. So it's kind of been like a full circle. And when you have a new idea, do you take it to paper first or are you, are you able to at this point just visualize it or how do you work through the process of getting new ideas out into glass? Oh, always, always. Yeah. I, I've always kept my sketchbook with me and, you know, drawing has never left my practice. So as soon as I think of an idea or something comes up, I, I instantly I try and draw it and put it on paper so then I can think about it. Usually I'll draw things out, you know, a few times until I get the composition right or the idea right, you know, and I'm still really interested in like, you know, 
comic book characters or fantasy characters. And so I gather a lot of inspiration from them. And, you know, sometimes glass can be a bit much. So I took a step back and I was like, I'm just going to paint, you know, because painting is just like a different way of, you know, getting out those creative feelings that, you know, I feel like I couldn't get out with glass. And so I think this year I'm wanting to like put out more two-dimensional work as well as with the glass work. So have them kind of work together and you just let it be organic. Do you ever feel a time where you feel stuck? Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is so so the thing that I've been struggling with recently is that, you know, I have a lot of production work. So I make a lot of like small smoking accessories that you know, they're all the same. And so I actually have a really hard time making the same object over and over and over again, even though that's what I've been doing for the past couple of years, like mostly production. And I can easily get creatively burnt out from that. And when I want to work on something creative, I'm literally like, you know, drained of all of my fuel. And sometimes I just like, you know, I just want to dig a hole and like jump in it because I just can't, access it or I don't have time or I feel overwhelmed and so when I hit that block I tend to want to just like do other creative things like I said before about like painting or just drawing and it's only when I have like maybe a hard deadline or if someone's expecting something from me then I can like kind of tap into that how would you say the like you know the time constraint that you're working with makes you like really ambitious and so I work really well under pressure. <laughs> so I'm like, I need to have a show or I need to be part of something. And then that's when like my creative juices tend to flow more. So relatable. <laughs> yeah. So when you're kind of like in those spaces where it's just really hard, do you have any other tricks that you use to get yourself out of that? Or do you just like seek out something that will put that pressure on you? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that without my physical practice, I would definitely be way less motivated or I wouldn't be able to work through my blocks as easily. So I think like sometimes when I have too much anxiety to work, like I just force myself to either go to the gym or just do like a really intense workout to like get out that anxiety. And I think like when I can hit like a point of calm, then I can like come back to my workbench and think more clearly through these ideas or like the pressure. And so that's really important. And then also like allowing myself to like, just not do anything for a certain period of time, because I do have this type of energy that like if I'm not working constantly, I start to create this like negative dialogue in my head where I'm thinking like, what are you doing? Like, you're not good enough. You're like not working hard enough. Like who do you think you are? And, you know, when I forgive myself for those things and just let myself be for just, you know, like an afternoon or something, like it's okay to not work constantly. Then I can rest after that and then come back to the bench. So you know, like kind of acknowledging that the negative dialogue isn't working and then like letting it go has been like a active practice that I've tried to 
you know, implement, at least like recently. I don't know about you guys, but like this whole COVID situation and the state of the world has very like it's definitely put a damper on my life and like in my enthusiasm. So like that's a completely different experience than anything from before. Um a lot of people I know have had to try and like trick themselves to like look forward to life. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. Definitely. Yeah. I was wondering, do you find that people treat you different as a woman goss artist? And two, do you find that people maybe like sexualize you as a female artist that does like forms in that way? You know what? I have been so surprised by how people treat me because I've heard I've heard of where women felt like they were like mistreated in the glass community and felt that they were not taken seriously because of that and it like maybe the content of their work but I don't know if it's because of my attitude or if it's because I've chosen to ignore certain things that may- maybe I'm not even aware but I feel like I've been treated as an equal for most of my career um and I, I don't know if it I don't know if it started because I worked in a warehouse for a good part of like the beginning of my career with a bunch of guys and you know it was a mixed studio I was pretty much the only glass blower and then everyone else was kind of doing other things and so like I feel like I I do enjoy like the shit talking and like the I guess like the masculine side of working in these situations and so maybe I haven't been as like how would you say like I haven't felt that I had like a different place as a woman like I've just tried to be like one of the boys but then at the same time I embrace my femininity in my work and I think because I have been able to like make decent work that like no one can really say like a shitty thing about me because I'm like well like just let it speak for itself kind of thing and I've actually been criticized more by other women than the men and I don't know if it's because they like for those people who have called me out on like sexualizing my pieces or things like that felt maybe that I was not representing women the way that they wanted me to but I'm honestly like working on things that strictly I'm interested in and I don't really care you know who likes it or who doesn't because I'm gathering my inspiration like traditional comic books where you know these women are sexualized but they're also like my heroes and i think that there's something about embracing like like the sensuality of a woman like the muse the the flow of the body like the curves like like let it be luscious let it be fertility and like history and and let it also be modern and so i think because of i guess like my perspective like i haven't really let anyone like bring me down at all so i don't does that answer the question right <laughs> That was such a good answer, yeah. 
for the other nerdy people who are listening, what are some of the, like you said that when you started working in art and you were originally inspired by manga, what are some of the originals that really got you into art? I was like obsessed with Oh My Goddess and like Erd specifically, the like half demon, half goddess character. She was just like everything I love. And uh, of course, like Sailor Moon, hands down. Like you can't deny how much of an influence, you know, that show is like, even though how mainstream it is, like I was totally obsessed. And I don't know, all of the Chobits or Magic Knight Rares or like... Uh, I mean, even like Dragon Ball Z or like any of the Miyazaki characters, like Princess Mononoke or oh, I could go, let's see. Oh my gosh, right now, Saga is like a huge influence for me. Like, and then, oh gosh, like I could go on. There's so, and it's not even just Japanese, it's like also things like Sin City and it was like this very sexualized version of like Alice in Wonderland except there's this girl going through this wonderland and like she's having all these like really weird like sexual experiences with all the different characters and like I just love this humor and I was introduced to it like so young that it was just normalized for me and so I think that's maybe why I've like never really been like offended by like this like kind of sexual humor that I think that men typically love and like maybe women get offended by but like I don't know I maybe that's just why it works for me (laughs) I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you make your income like you have your production line and then you do like your art pieces and like how do you I guess if you were to make your income into a pie and how you focus your time like how do you separate it all out Oh, yeah. Well, so I should I give you a little bit of like a backstory of how I like transition because it's all kind of new to me Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, we want to hear it. all. Okay. (laughs) Okay, cool. Story time. Yeah. So when I moved to LA, I like didn't know what I was going to do because I was still in the beginning stages of my flame working career, I guess. I started working at this glass distribution warehouse called Pacific Art Glass. And my intention there was to be like a studio tech, kind of like help out with equipment restoration, things like that. But I ended up getting behind the cashier stand. And so I was like answering phone calls and like not doing it what I really wanted. Like it's very retail, I guess. And so this guy came in, his name is Yuri. And he was like buying all these cases of Boro. And he was like, oh, you're new here. Like, you don't look like you should work here. And then I was like, I'm an artist. And so I gave him my card. And he was just like, why don't you come visit my studio in downtown? It's pretty cool. And so he showed him my work. And then he was like, oh, oh, my God. Like, you actually do work with glass. And so he hired me to help him with his, I guess, his focus was on interior design and glassware. And at that time, it was only two of him, like him and one other guy. And then he brought me on. And so it was at the very beginning of him, like launching his business. And so I started flame working under him full time. And five years later, 
doing that kind of production work like every single day from like 7:30 in the morning till 4:30 nonstop was really what like got me to this place where I developed the like language of glasswork and and then this crazy thing happened where right before covid hit there was the warehouse which had like multiple businesses in it so there were people who were like welding in there there was a painter a ceramicist a girl doing stained glass and then there was us doing like blown glass and like lighting design well the whole warehouse got broken into and they opened the gate in the middle of the night and tons of people came into the warehouse and stole everything they even used the forklift to like take all the equipment like the 3d printer all the computers and literally the only things that they didn't take were the torches and the kilns which is so insane and so like they ended up having to close the warehouse you know i mean simply because we didn't have anything to work with and then there was an explosion on our block like literally two doors down a whole place just exploded and then our ceiling our ceiling windows came in and then at that time i had literally just moved out of that studio to a smaller studio like just down the block because i was just starting to like get into my own groove and so luckily for me like none of my things were stolen my personal things but you know i felt the effects of that explosion as well and so then all of our friends who had studios on the block just moved away and then covid hit and so then all of a sudden it was just like done like we couldn't work you know the studio was in a mess and so then i was like kind of out of work at that time so what ended up happening was like i was just like okay i just got to get my shit together and so i started making like little one off pieces like <laughs> i was making fun of the whole like mask thing at first so i was making like little mask pendants and like toilet paper pendants because of the toilet paper shortage <laughs> and somehow like people were like interested in buying stuff and so i was like okay like it's working and then but you know as the streets became empty like more homeless people started moving on, around the block because our studio was kind of near skid row and i don't know if you're familiar with downtown la but skid row is kind of like the big community of homeless people with the tents and everything so they started to kind of like spread more as businesses were closing and so i started to feel a little bit unsafe coming to the studio by myself so i talked with my boyfriend and we decided you know we may as well try and find a place where we can he could work from home and then i could work from home and we wouldn't have to worry about like what was happening in the world because we had no idea at the time what was going to happen so we got super lucky and we found this we found a place in an old Westinghouse building so it's like a really big industrial tall ceiling like open floor plan and so i was able to set up my studio at home here and because i think it was like such interesting timing because everyone was at home you know they're all like smoking weed more and you know like a lot of people are still working so they have this income but like nothing to spend on and so like a lot of people were just like hitting me up for like pipes and joint holders and stuff like that so i literally never hit a point where i didn't have business coming in it was like a lot of interest and i work really closely with this woman angela who runs elevate jane and her company 
she distributes a lot of my joint holders. And so I was just working with her and just putting in bulk orders like every week. And if it wasn't for our connection, like, you know, I probably would have had to work a lot harder to send my pieces out. But yeah, she promoted my work a lot. And then I was just kind of like doing one-offs on my Instagram. Instagram is huge. You know, people will hit me up on Instagram and I'll do customs that way. And yeah, so it's been like this really interesting experience, just kind of the way things just landed perfectly in place. Like I was able to very smoothly, like just use my own work to just keep living. That's pretty cool. What does your boyfriend do for a living? Just curiosity on you two both being stuck together through COVID <laughs> inside working. <laughs> yeah. Well, so he does, he's an art director and he does like temporary build outs for sports events. So he'll work on the Super Bowl or the US Open or events from, you know, like, Sony will do like a expo or something and they'll do a build out for that. So yeah, he, I guess it's kind of like interior design and things like that. So two creatives stuck at home <laughs> through COVID. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what he ended up doing was he started playing Call of Duty. So you mostly sell your stuff through that wholesale lady and then you just kind of sell it online and you said you also take some customs too yeah I do I through phases like sometimes I'm a little bit overwhelmed so I'll close customs and then I'll open them up again I guess that's kind of typical of like freelancers but uh, yeah right now I'm about to close them again because holidays are coming and it's like it's getting crazy And do you know what imposter syndrome is? Do you ever feel like that impacts your life in the way that you are out there in the world? You know what? I have not felt the imposter syndrome with glass. I actually got it when I did my yoga teacher training (laughs) of all things. But like, I don't know about like, okay, so there was this point where I was starting to feel burnt out doing production for Neptune Glassworks, which was the first company I worked for. And I started to do yoga training because I was like, I'm just going to be a yoga teacher or whatever. (laughs) I was like, fuck glass. But I ended up doing that. And then I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden glass just, the glasswork became important again. And then it was like this interesting phase I went through where I was trying to like run away from the material and the material was like, "Uh uh-uh, you're coming back here. Like we need you over here. And so that was interesting. But with the glasswork, I don't know. It's either like I've just been so busy that I haven't had time to really think about being an imposter or, you know, but I also don't really like put myself out there that much, to be honest. Like I gotta go with the flow. And if people hit me up to be part of things, then I'll say yes. But I actually rarely will go out and like pursue being part of other things, which I don't know, it might be a bad idea or a good idea. I'm not sure yet. I was wondering if your yoga practice like transfers over at all to your glass. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And that's like a lot of inspiration for me as well. Like I love just watching yoga flows or, you know, like the, the, Instagram influencers like you know the girls posting beautiful poses and I just I love 
just looking at them. And then of course I like to make them in glass, you know, better way to enjoy the body than that, you know? How do you price things? Do you have a formula that you follow? Oh my God. I'm so bad with money to be honest. Like I have always had this aversion towards making money and it's actually been this really interesting exercise for me to put like a value on my time. And I, I mean, right now I'm, I'm confident in it, but it definitely took a lot of practice and like listening to other people's feedback on the way I price, because I've, I've honestly like, I've definitely just put a number on things without thinking about really like what the material costs are, what the studio costs are, you know, how much, like how much is my hour and like especially since I've started working in my own studio like I've had to like really like think about that and so yeah I'll put like an hour a certain cost for my hour and then you know of course I'll like think about how much the material is and then yeah and you know sometimes like if if I post on my website it'll take a percentage of money out so I have to like account for that so things yeah, but then of course, you know, if like a friend hits me up, then I'll give them like a friend price. So <laughs> there's that. But yeah, like if I'm working with a gallery or something, then, you know, if they're going to take like 40%, then I, I need to think about like, okay, what is like the minimum amount for me that I need without making this piece like unattainable? That's a good way to look at it keeping it obtainable, but also Mm -hmm. making sure that your needs are met. Oh yeah. I mean, I've definitely short, what do you call it? Short changed myself so many times where I like sold something and then I just felt like this emptiness in me. I was like, oh, but there's so much time. Oh, well. (laughs) You live and learn, right? (laughs) Something we've all done. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have anything you'd like to end on? Or anything that we didn't ask you? Okay, so I just thought this will be my first, or 2022 will be my first year teaching classes. And I'm doing like a big class tour. So for anyone who's interested in learning the hollow sculpting, the anatomy, the sketching to bench practice, or learning the gold lusters, any of that, you know, I'll be at Penland in May. I'll be at Pilchuck in June. I'll be at Snow Farm in August. I'll do two classes there. And then I'll be in Turkey in September. But I'll have my classes posted on my Instagram. And yeah, I'm really excited to start teaching because, and I just love community. That's a huge thing too that I've had to, oh my gosh, like this is really important, you guys. Like when I started working alone, I realized how much I need community. And when I see shops of class workers working all together, I start to get like FOMO. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, how cool would it be to be able to like bounce ideas off of other class workers or like ask like a technical question or things like that. So that has been like a huge struggle for me as well. Like being alone at my bench and like not having anyone to talk to. I mean, I think like being part of community is just so important and I really would like to be more. So like when 
if I think about moving or changing anything about practice, like I definitely want to be around like people who I think will like give me that fire. So yeah, I just I feel like that's important. That's you getting out. Wait, mm-hmm. I have one question. You ha- haven't really done a lot of teaching before you just said, but is there a way that you approach teaching that's different than if you're working by yourself in your studio? I feel like I look to my teachers for like the memory of how my teachers taught me for advice. Like I tend to think like a lot of times when I'm approaching a project that I am not familiar with or a technique I'm not familiar with, I'll think to myself, like, what would Mickelson do? Or what would anyone do? What would Micah do? Who would, whatever. And so when I think about teaching, I want to start with the way that I feel like someone successfully taught me. And I also feel like the more simple, the better. I'm like, okay, let's start really, really simple and think about like the most basic, basic things about glass. It's like gravity, heat, timing, air, you know, like don't freak out, (laughs) pull it out of the flame, (laughs) like be in control, like be confident. Like I feel like a lot of people who start glass where they're like not confident because obviously the material is very like foreign to work with but I'm just like I'm like don't be a wussy when it comes to working with glass you have to be strong you have to be like you know but you have to also be gentle with it it's just such an interesting thing to teach because you have to it really does require someone to have like almost like ADD you know like you can't just like stop thinking about it you have to think about all of these different things at once and I think like it's just not for everyone for sure by like trying to at least like convey those ideas the best way possible in the most simple way possible like that's my goal I guess thank you so much oh you're welcome totally thank you guys so much for having me yeah it was so nice thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of connected in glass Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for more information on the artists we interview and for updates on the podcast.